Welcome to Undocumented, Empowering Hidden Voices, a podcast brought to you by iMix, where we share voices not always heard in mainstream media. This is a podcast where people with experience of the immigration system get opportunity to share their feelings and stories. From those forced into making dangerous journeys to people caught up in the hostile environments to the activists and change makers shaking up the system. We'll also hear from journalists, campaigners, and local communities to learn what they are doing to create a better narrative about people who make the UK their home through choice or chance. So journey with us on Undocumented to delve into some life-changing stories, meet some amazing people, and become part of a conversation of hope. Undocumented takes the time to listen and reflect. Good morning. Hello, Alijan. How are you? Hi, Alijan. I'm good. I'm good. How are you doing? Yeah, not too bad. Can you believe December is here? Yeah, I mean, yes, I can believe it, but at the same time, no, because the time has been flying. I know, right? How did we yeah. get here? I don't know. I guess being very busy, that will help. Have you got any plan for Christmas? Uh, well, yeah, I do, but I guess the world has turned upside down and it's just crazy. And the news has been really shocking and upsetting. And yeah, it's very difficult to feel and think positive. Mm, yeah, same. It's been hard to feel optimistic. But all we can do is we can support each other and we can support others. So I guess that's that's positive enough. Yeah. And I guess it's really important to acknowledge that it's okay to be upset. It's okay to feel yeah, yeah. sad and yeah, because we are all human beings. So it's very natural to, to be affected by this. No, exactly. Anyway, what, what we got today, Ali? This episode is about International Migrants Day. Bye. In 2000, the United Nations General Assembly declared 18th of December as IMD. So it is a day to reflect on the role of migrants in our societies, their positive contributions, and the challenges they face in achieving their full potentials and capabilities. IMIX, in partnership with International Organizations for Migration, IOM, run the ambassador program every year as part of a nationwide engagement initiative. In the past year, it has been supported by over 40 organizations across the UK. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's super impressive. It is really impressive. And this is a really big project. And I really love it because I guess this is a day to remind us that human rights are not earned by virtue of being a hero or a victim, but mm. also is an entitlement of everyone, regardless of their origin, age, gender or status exactly and i think we should all remember that maybe in our you know in our backgrounds in our history someone from our family was a migrant or a refugee one day so i guess yeah let's remember that <laughs> absolutely and it can happen to anyone so we can choose to go to somewhere else or we can be forced to to go to somewhere else. So I think we, we just need to be mindful of that. Exactly. But this year, Ali, we recruited six amazing ambassadors 
with immigrant background and supported them to share their stories. So mm -hmm. keep an eye for them in the next following days because you're going to hear some amazing stories. But today, today, we are going to hear from two amazing people. So we have Mimi and we got Alex. Yeah. So first, we chat to Mimi, who is a full-time domestic worker and a mother of three. And then we hear from Alex, who is a Greek writer. Hmm. Nice. I cannot wait to hear from Alex, especially. Not because I'm not interested in Mimi. It's because I like Greek language. And that's why. No offense. <laughs> not to brag. How many languages do you speak, Ali? I don't know, because I haven't been practicing. But I think it's around five now. So it's been reducing. It was seven before. So, as I said, we hear from uh, Mimi dreaming for a bright future for her children. Mimi decided to work overseas as a domestic worker. She worked in Dubai and then was brought by her Arab employers to London, United Kingdom, where she could finally free herself from her abusive employers. So it's going to be great. And I'm sure you're going to love her story. Amazing. So, yeah, I can't wait. I guess that's very important to speak out about it, you know, and I think it will be quite powerful. So yeah, I guess our audiences are as excited as me. So I guess let's go. Hi, everyone. Today uh, we are here with Mimi. Hi, good afternoon, everyone. Mimi, is, it is absolutely amazing to have you with us this afternoon. How are you doing? Yeah, um, just getting excited for the, the 18th. <laughs> What's going on the 18th? You want to tell us? Because it's an opportunity for me to be a part of this International Migrants Day. Quite amazing, ex uh, a very good opportunity, wonderful experience, experiences. So, yeah, I'm just, I'm looking for it. Really excited. We are excited too, Mimi. Speaking of the International Migrants Day, why did you decide to become an ambassador for IMD? Well, I decided to become an ambassador for IMD because I do believe that being a migrant domestic worker with lived experience, I can shed light on the challenges we are facing as here in the UK, we are not recognized as workers and, and we are recognized as victim of trafficking and it should not be that way. That Because I do believe that we are workers and we need to have the same rights as like ad other workers so that's why i really decided to amplify our voices and to know to the public knows that behind closed doors there are workers that are struggling not only personal or physical but also we are also struggling with our immigration status here in the uk Thank you so much, Mimi. You mentioned about you want to raise your voice and it is important for your voice to get heard. But is it possible for you to just share a bit of your story with us and how you came to be in the UK? Yeah. I left my home country in 2013 to venture in Dubai. 
And my employers brought me here in the UK in 2014. When I was in Dubai, yeah, there I, I experienced abuses and exploitations. And when they brought me here, I didn't know my rights. I didn't even know where, which, la- which airport we landed. Because when we landed in the, in the airport, in the runway, there are already a fleet of cars waiting for us. So I don't have knowledge about the system here. I don't know my rights. And I didn't know that I, when I arrived here 2014, that I don't have right to renew my visa anymore. So I became undocumented from 2014 to 2016. And when I met the charity, the Voice of Domestic Workers, they've been my refuge and support and helped me to uh, apply to this National National Referral Mechanism of Modern Slavery Act and Trafficking Law. And I was recognized as victim of modern slavery. And I was granted with two years domestic worker visa, non-renewable and non-extendable. When pandemic strikes in 2020, I didn't manage to go back to see my family. And before it before it get exp- it got expired, 2021, I applied for human rights application, human rights, Article 8 of human rights and asylum and it's just sad to say that i'm still on the process of waiting so yeah very a bit sad story i'm so sorry and thank you so much for being so honest and open about it and sharing it really appreciate that and you mentioned about the challenges what have been your main challenges in becoming a migrant? Well, the main challenges I am facing as a migrant or becoming a migrant is leaving my children behind. You know, I haven't seen them for 10 years. The loneliness, the worries is always there every day in my life. It's always there. The worries about my status here. It's one of the challenges I am facing at the moment. The challenges, the challenges that facing most of the domestic workers who came after 2012. Yeah, that we cannot renew our visa, that most of us is in a limbo. And I am one of them. I am again in a limbo. Thank you, Mimi. Can you tell us what has been surprising for you? What surprised me is that there is positive in migrating because before i always thought that it's so sad to migrate to leave your family to leave the familiar things you know behind but in a way now i realized that i am i am one of the ambassador i realized oh yes they they are right that there is positive in migrating that i'm i am not only do it be the um, positive change for my life or my family's life, but I'm also doing it change for other people's lives because I, as domestic worker, I because of me, because of us, I we are and en- I enable others to mm. work, you know, 
and provide also for their own family. And also changing the society. We, we are a great com- contributor, especially those who are uh, formal workers. We are great contributors, not only in our home country, but also in our host country. Thank you so much, Mimi, when you shared about not being able to see your kids for 10 years. It just broke my heart. I wish I could have given you a hug uh, uh, <laughs> in the same room. But yeah, I really admire. I, I, I understand how challenging it must be. Is there something or someone that has made your journey easier? Yes. Aside from my dream for my family to have a better life, is my the voice of domestic workers family here in the UK, my community. Yeah, they are. Not, I'm always saying they are not only my community, but they are my family here in the UK. Thank you, Mimi. You mentioned that you are going to be the ambassador of International Migrant Day. Am I right? Yeah. <laughs> yes. All right. Let's get there. So, what does being an International Migrant Day ambassador mean to you? Well, being an ambassador for International Migrants Day and as a migrant domestic worker with lived experience means serving as a representative and advocate by sharing my personal experiences. I shed light in the challenges faced by many of us, playing the crucial role in raising awareness, influencing policies, and promoting positive change. It's an opportunity to, uh, for me to amplify the voices of our community, advocate for improved working conditions, and contribute to a more just and equitable treatment of migrant domestic workers globally. Fantastic. You, you know, Ali, the theme of the International Migrants Day this year is I'm a migrant. So mm. Mimi, what would you like everyone to know about being a migrant? Behind every migrant, there lies a tale of struggle and triumph that is crucial to be shared and be heard. It's not easy, but it's a... For me, it's very challenging. And when you are a migrant, you are are really powerful. You are brave. Thank you, Mimi. You spoke quite a lot about, you know, being inspiring and being the voice of other people. But I want to ask you, who or what inspires you? What inspires me is, you know, when you experience abuse, and be exploited. That's uh, that inspires me to stand up for others and to be their voice. Because uh, not everyone has the courage to stand up, you know, and and raise their voice. But I have that power in me. So that inspires me. That the the struggles of migrant domestic workers here in the UK. That really inspires me to become stronger and to stand up for them. Thank you so much, Mimi. 
We are so looking forward to celebrating the International Migrants Day, but I'm just curious as a migrant, how you are planning to celebrate the International Migrants Day? Mm. <laughs> yeah, in celebrating International Migrants Day, it, it provides opportunity to raise awareness, foster understanding and advocate the rights of migrants. Because I do believe there's the key in celebrating International Migrants Day in a way that not only brings attention to the challenges faced by migrants, but also contributes to positive change and understanding within our community and beyond. I am proud to be a migrant. <laughs> yeah, that's it. I will always be proud. Well said, Mimi, and we are all very proud of you. I mean, you're such an inspiration. Whenever I look into you, it's just amazing. You are full of talents, skills, and you have a big heart. And the biggest smile in your face is just amazing. <laughs> yes, don't even realize that I'm also struggling inside. <laughs> yeah, thank you. No, thank, thank you so, so much. much. For being on this podcast, we really appreciate you and we are looking forward to seeing all the amazing media coverage from you. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Yeah, bye. Mm-hmm. Ali, I personally really enjoyed the interview. How about you? Yeah, it was so powerful, wasn't it? It was very powerful and God, like her energy is just awesome. And like she said, she's not, she's been unwell, she's sick. And even like when you're, even though she wasn't feeling very well, she spoke so well and so powerfully. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. She's struggling with a cold and also like a few bad incidents. But despite all of this, she came across really powerful and amazing as always. I really love Mimi. She's such an inspiration. Yeah, I can't wait to, well, I'm sure our audiences as well, like, we cannot wait to, you know, see our interviews and uh, articles on the Migrants Day, because I'm sure she's going to share some amazing stuff. So I think everyone should be alert and wait wait for them. Absolutely. We, we, we will try to share all the links on our social medias. So keep an eye for them. And uh, I think I, I really like what she said at the end. She said, I'm proud to be a migrant. And I think we all should be proud of who we are. And it's not like it's not, it should not be ashamed, or we should not be ashamed of mentioning who we are. So, I guess that was very, very powerful. Spot on, totally. Yeah, with the theme, I'm a migrant this year, I think everybody should claim that. Yeah. I'm Julia, I'm the media director at IMEX, and I'm an author. And that's why I was so excited to interview Alexandros Plasatis. He's one of our International Migrants Day ambassadors. International Migrants Day is on December the 18th every year and it celebrates people who move, whether they've done so by choice or whether they had to because they've been displaced. It's a day of celebration and it's a day of marking the important and amazing voices of people who are migrants. So Alex, I thought, was a great person to talk to about this because he's also an author and he's also the founder of The Other Side of Hope. The Other Side of Hope is a literary magazine, but it's got a twist in that it's specifically 
written and edited by people with a migrant or refugee background. And that matters because the publishing industry is not particularly diverse. And the way that you get into the publishing industry is often through these kinds of literary magazines. So by creating something that is of a very high standard, but also specifically about raising the voice of people from a migrant or refugee background, Alex is actually doing something with a lot of potential to be transformative. So I was really excited to interview him, to ask him a bit about this, how you manage that fine line between something that is of a professional standard and at the same time encouraging people and getting them involved and not giving up if they get a rejection letter once and also celebrating those voices celebrating people who write in English as a second language for example and making sure that the voice in publishing is really diverse and we can all benefit from the lens of someone who came to the country as a newcomer at one point or other. Over to Alex. So firstly, thanks so much, Alex, for joining us. Would you prefer to be known as Alex or Alexandros? No, I think Alex fine. Yeah, it's easier. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny, that's something that people often do, don't they, when they move to the UK as they end up giving themselves a nickname or something so that people find it easier. I mean, do you have thoughts on that because you're such an advocate of language and words uh, no you know i used to always call myself when i first came alexandros but it's difficult to say the original in greek you know so alexandros is is difficult for brits to say so i used to say alexandros and then they shortened it down to alex when i used to work in an italian restaurant because they told me it was the italian guys they told me Ale, uh, if we say alexandros and we want to call you and we are busy we say Alexa, and then you're down, you know, like 10 meters away. So let's let's make it Alex. I said, okay, and then it stayed. But I, I can do both, you know. Thanks. I want to first start by asking you about International Migrants Day. You're one of our lovely ambassadors. We we're talking just about a week before the actual day itself. And I just wondered if you could tell us a bit about what you see your journey as a migrant as. My journey is... You know, I've been, I left Greece in 1999. I came here and I came here to study. And then I I worked and I worked in different places, in mainly restaurants and then factories and then sometimes libraries. And I moved around the UK a lot. And I got to know, you know, the British people, but also people who came from other countries. And... I always felt this connection with people from other countries that we we share something, you know, and and I always find it easier to get the first connection with them. Yeah, I was just remembering you said some how many times you've moved in the UK, and mm. I was I've thought about that a lot because I just moved back to Edinburgh after a very long time away, and I feel a bit like a newcomer to the city. Um, and I can't believe how many times you've moved. Would you mind reminding me how many times that is? Yeah, I, I, ha I since 1999, I had 32 different addresses. I, and I lived in different places in Portsmouth, Southampton, Loughborough, Leicester, Birmingham, Bolton. And now I'm going to move to Glasgow, I think, in, in a month or so. It's an exclusive on the podcast. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Alex is becoming a new Scott. <laughs> yeah, Alex, you know this you know this new Scott thing. In England there is no new English, you know. I've never heard of new English, but in uh, in Scotland there is. And you know some people say it's a bit patronizing. Maybe it is, but you have the option to say I'm a new Scott if you want to. And if you don't want, you you don't have to say. And if you want to think about it and take your time, you know. But I do like that there is this option in Scotland. If you think about yourself, if you never left your hometown in Greece versus your extraordinary journey of migration, I think it's pretty extraordinary how many times you've moved, you know, within the UK, even as an internal migrant in a way. How do you think you are different to how you'd be if you just stayed in one place? If if I stayed in my hometown, I think I would be sad. I didn't leave because, you know, for financial reasons or, you know, I was not displaced or anything like that. But I just felt uncomfortable there for various reasons. Coming here to the UK and living in different places, I don't know how it affected me. Is I just feel... I'm very, I adapt very easily, you know, wherever, wherever I go. The sense of home, you know, sometimes you get even confused with countries. Which one is my country now? I've, I've lived more years in the UK than in Greece. So I, I think it's beautiful, this journey for me and it's beautiful that I've met people that I, w- I would not have the chance to meet if I stayed in my in, in Greece. I was going to ask you about International Migrants Day ambassadors and what it was like meeting the other ambassadors and what benefit you think there is from getting everyone in one place because that's something you know that in the R sector we often think oh that's going to be too difficult or it's going to be too expensive and we we kind of don't manage to bring everyone together and we do everything over Zoom or email but for you, was there any any kind of reflections on meeting people in person in that way from different different backgrounds? It was a wonderful day, you know. It was great to meet to meet these people from from all these different countries and to to see the the staff from IMIX and j- just to feel this how you call it like brotherhood or camaraderie, yeah. And just to to realize again that there are so many other people that go through their own journeys and there are different journeys that they do. Every, everyone's journey is different, but th- there are these similarities, you know, along the way. I remember, for example, I remember Mimi and all the things she, she was saying about w- what her campaign is, what she does, how she lives. Uh, in in the UK, she was telling me stories, and I I felt in awe of her. And it's similar with the other people, with Mohammed, you know, from Egypt. And we talked about Egypt and the Arab culture, and it just brings all these different cultures together within within the UK and how we. All of us carry all this, we have this cultural baggage, you know, and it's somewhere in the back of our minds, but it's always there. And then, and then we mix and, and we celebrate together. Thank you. I'm going to start asking you about the, 
your amazing project, The Other Side of Hope, yeah. which is kind of why you're here as well. So do you want to just start by telling us a bit about the latest edition? What, what's a bit of the update on the project to this point? Yeah, The Other Side of Hope started in 2021, funded by Arts Council England. We created a team of uh, refugee editors and uh, we published this literary magazine and we publish poetry and fiction by refugees from around the world and uh, and then non-fiction book reviews and author interviews by anyone on the theme of migration so we've published so far five issues three in print and two online the next online issue comes out in this month and then in january we'll publish what we call the other tongue, mother tongue issue, which is a quite complicated project where refugees and immigrants from around the world can send us their poems in their language. And then we will publish them alongside English translation. So this is where we are at the moment. The latest issue, the latest print issue, I think went quite well. We had a quote from Juno Diaz. And from Dina Nayeri, we published wonderful fiction and pro and poetry. Can you tell me a bit about where the idea came from for the magazine? Back in 2016, I was doing creative writing workshops uh, in a refugee center. And at the same time, I was sending out lots of uh, short stories to literary magazines. So I had lots of communication with editors and being being rejected mainly, sometimes being accepted. And I thought that it would be a nice thing to, to create a, a literary magazine that is a bit specialized, but also has good quality, you know, we try to, to bring good quality. And then because I stayed working in the, in the refugee sector and I was doing mainly art projects with refugees, this stayed with me, and then I I asked people. They helped me to to apply for funding, and then we created the team. And it's a wonderful team. All the editors, you know, are wonderful people and and very good at what they do. How important is it that everyone on the team is from a refugee or migrant background, and why do you think that's important? I don't think it's very important, to be honest with you. I think it's good that we, all of us, we understand, you know, the migrants' lives and how they write, and especially for when when we open submissions to English only, to works in English, we know, you know, because for all of us, English is a second language, so we know sometimes where people might, what they, what they try to say, but they find it difficult. But I think that... You don't have to be, you know, a migrant to do this. I think that British people could be equally good or even better. It's just the idea originally was that we give chances to migrants to become editors. It was more mostly about giving a chance to someone to improve their CV. And then maybe through this project can find something else. I guess a lot of the editors, I'm just thinking of one that I know particularly well, Malka. I mean, she has a long background of working in literary world in Arabic. 
And is that the same for other people? You know, are these people who have a lot of experience, but it's been in another country and that they, you know, if it wasn't for this literary magazine, they'd be kind of cut out of the publishing world. Is that fair, do you think? Yeah, I think that, I think that's fair, yeah. So th- there are some, Ma- Malka is, is one of them. So th- some of the team, we are, you know, we get chances out of this project. But then we have some academics as well who are new to uh, to literature. And it gives them opportunities and chances, not because they didn't have, but in a different world, you know, in the world of, of literature instead of the world of academia. And they, and they enjoy that. One thing we want to do with the magazine is to use it as a, a sort of the first step or a school where someone sends a story. Maybe it's accepted, maybe it's rejected, you know, and then if it's rejected, they want to write again. I I would like them to to write again and work on the writing and then send again when we open submissions. I think they feel a bit more comfortable sending to us because they might see it as a first step, but also because it's now we are, I think, well known in the refugee organizations, you know. So they, they the refugee organizations, they talk to their people and so maybe they feel more comfortable. You've published a book yourself. Are there any experiences that you had in publishing a book in English that you're trying to make sure are avoided for this next generation of writers? The book came from by an American publisher. And I think that's because it's sort of a collection of short stories and it's more, short stories are are more popular there. It came out from them. The only advice I would give is for people who are writing their second language is to make it as good as they can and then have someone to help them with like proofreading because we... When I was writing, I knew sometimes, you know, there are mistakes, but I couldn't, I, I could sense that there were mistakes, but I couldn't be sure. But with, with litter, the, the best thing that I would, I would suggest people could do is just send out their work first to literary magazines and don't be scared of rejection. You know, there is no problem with being rejected. Everyone is rejected. Just send it out. You know, that's the main thing. Are there any writers from those first editions that are doing things now that, you know, you're following their career, that they're doing well? Yeah, yeah. We had, since we started, we had a few writers who went on to publish their books. So they emailed and said, oh, could you write something about the book? And and we've done that. And there are other writers who went on to publish to other literary magazines. And, and this is great. This is very nice. But for, for me, the and for the team, I think, when we feel the best is when when we publish them and we get a response from them, how nice it, this makes them feel, you know? Yeah. And in terms of distribution, where can you pick up a copy of the magazine or how can someone get hold of it? So the, if people want to buy a copy, they, can go, they have to go to the website at the moment and buy it from there. There are also copies in uh, some independent bookshops in the UK, about 12 or 15 bookshops. You know, when, when people read the magazine, we don't want them to read it 
as if say, ah, you know, let's read about the poor migrants, you know, in their lives. We want when when people read the magazine, we want them to like what they read, you know, to to touch them in in some way. And the purpose of the magazine is to is beauty. It's about beauty. It's about producing something that has poetry and and prose and enriches the lives of everyone not you know not only people who like refugees you know not only people in the sector but people who like literature and hopefully one day people who don't like refugees you know if you can get there to that point where we have people who for whatever reasons they they are against refugees you know against immigrants against immigration and 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 they read uh, something, a poem, a story, and they say, ah, oh, that's nice, you know. Then I think we, we have done an, a very important step. That's actually a beautiful way of putting it. Thanks so much. Cheers. That was Alex. One thing I took from it was how important it is to make sure the magazine reaches its audience as well. So if you're lucky enough to get one into your hands, please share it. Thank you to Julia and Alex for that great interview. And thank you to all our International Migrants Day ambassadors. Please do check out their stories on social media. They really are amazing people. My name is Catherine Maxwell-Rose. I'm the Strategic Communications Director at IMIX, and I've been working to bring this podcast series together, along with the IMIX team and our wonderful hosts, Ali and Ellie. So I just wanted to take a moment to reflect on the series. It's been a really powerful journey for the IMIX team working on this podcast. We've really enjoyed having the opportunity to spend some time with people and to listen to their stories in depth. It's not something we often get the chance to do. And I've really enjoyed listening to people's experiences of coming here, of the work they do in their communities, their campaigning work, their activism. It's been really inspiring. And I hope that you've also enjoyed journeying with us. So I just wanted to thank all the guests, all the contributors, Ali and Ellie for all their amazing work on the podcast. And also to the wonderful musician, Aref Gorbani, who composed the music for the podcast. And also our brilliant editor, Simon Sapper, who has taught us so much and contributed so much to bring this podcast together. Thank you so much for listening and we hope to see you all again soon. Okay, I think that's us. Thanks everyone for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to learn more about our work, please visit our website at imix.org.uk. Also, check us out on social media. Please share this podcast with people that you know and with people who doesn't know much about the immigration system so they can learn more about it. Please like, rate, review, subscribe on the podcast platform of your choice and leave us some comments because you know what? We love to hear your thoughts. Ali, it's time to say goodbye, I guess. Thank you so much again for listening. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye.